Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday. Good evening, everybody. Um, first of all, let me take care of some business. Uh, happy Valentine's Day tomorrow. I took care of that. Secondly, for those of you who are on the Blog Talk radio line, you can call me at 929-477-2304. And for those of you who are on Facebook Live, I'd ask that you would swipe that um, that share button so you can share this, this study with others. And then finally, um, I want us each to know that as we're, uh, we're in um, the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians, and tonight it's a continuation. It's actually a continuation of the argument that he was presenting in Chapter 8. And now all of these arguments are designed to do one thing, and that is to bring unity to the body. Now remember, for weeks we talked about the things that brought division, and now he begins to say, to show some things that will bring unity into the body. He, he, he said, first of all, in chapter 8, he says, you know what, you have to consider the other person. And if your actions, even though they are lawful, even though uh, you can do them, if they will cause your brother to operate in error, then you shouldn't do them. Because not only do you cause him to sin, but you sin against him. That's where we left off last week. And so we want to get into chapter 9 today. And chapter 9 continues that same line of thinking. Um, but before we start, let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. We come to you tonight, God, asking for your blessings, your blessings of revelation. Father, we study your word that we might be pleasing in your sight. We study your word, Father, because you told us to study to show ourselves approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We study your word because it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. We study your word, God, because we know that in your word we will find how to serve our fellow man. And that's really what you want us to do, to serve you by serving others. And so, Father, tonight we ask that you would, would teach us that you would lead us and guide us into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know where I want to start at tonight? I want to start tonight at John chapter 13 instead of diving right into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And the reason why I want to start at John 13 is because 
what Paul is doing is Paul is teaching the word of the Lord. He is not giving you, sometimes when we read Paul, we think that these are his opinions, these are his teachings, blah, 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 blah. This is something he came up with. No, Paul is teaching and modeling the word of the Lord, just as Jesus did. So turn to John 13. That's where we want to start at tonight. And I want to show, and this, this is going to set up the whole study. It'll make things a lot easier for me. And look at um, verse 12. Now, this is um, the foot washing scene in John. And Jesus has disrobed and he has washed the disciples' feet and he's had the conversation with Peter where Peter said, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you ain't going to pardon me. And so that's where we're picking up at. In verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. If you do them now, flip over to chapter nine. Now remember, remember what we just read. We just read John chapter thirteen. Uh, we started reading at verse twelve, and we went all the way through verse seventeen. Okay, remember that because he said he asked them, "Do you know?" what I have done. And then he tells them, do this. Now watch now watch this chapter. Get it get flip over to first Corinthians chapter nine now. Paul begins to write here. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Stop right there. So he asked a couple of questions. The first question he asked is, am I not free? Do I not have the freedom, do I not have the right to choose what I do? Am I not an apostle? Am I not sent? Am I not one of God's messengers? So he's stacking this thing up. And then he says, and aren't you the result of the message that God sent to you through me? And aren't you the results? Aren't 
your actions and your very existence, your being born again, the result of the message that you received and acted upon from God. Go to verse 3. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Now, here, here, are, the, here are the four questions that he asked them. He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Don't I have a right to food and drink? Don't I have a right to be compensated for the work that I have done? Don't I have the right for traveling expenses for the work that I do? These are the questions that he is posing in this chapter early on, having already established something. See, you see where I'm going now, don't you? Having already established, first of all, in chapter 8, that the decisions that we make in the body are decisions not for ourselves, but for the edification of others. Now he's going on and he's asking some questions to set up a teaching. And the four questions that he asked early on is concerned, concerned um, his freedom to make a choice, his, his title, and, and, and his mission. Is he not on a mission from God? Um, does he have the right uh, as, a, as coming from God and working for God to have his <coughs> traveling expenses plus his room and board uh, given to him by the people that he served? Now, and, and again, what, it, what we're doing here is we're breaking this thing apart so you understand it, okay? He says, who serves, I'm at verse 7, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the threshers thresh, they ought to do it in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Now, this, this, this little paragraph right here. First of all, he draws on Jewish temple imagery to say that I am acting as your minister and in the temple, the ministers or the priests are assigned a portion. When you bring the offerings to the Lord, when you bring the sacrifices to the Lord, in all but I believe it's the, the burnt offering, 
is the only offering where there is no priestly participation in terms of of, of, of what you see. A whole burnt offering is wholly burnt unto the Lord. But when you get into the other offerings, the grain offering or the peace offerings and the uh, the sin offering and and uh, uh, what are those uh, those other the, the fellowship offerings, all of those offerings, a portion of those offerings are set aside for the priest in the tithe. A portion of the tithe is set apart for the maintenance of the priest. And so this is what this is what Paul is is alluding to. And then when he says you don't muzzle an ox that threshes the corn, that's a reference to I believe it's um Deuteronomy 25 and 4. That's a direct quotation from there where it tells you that when someone is when an ox is working in the field, you don't forbid him from eating of the grain while he's working. And so he's drawing this big picture to show them that, hey, I am entitled. These are my rights. And after he goes through and makes this this wonderful, wonderful argument, then we get to um, the next verse. And that verse is, 13, but we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Now, I want to I want to pause right there for a second, um, and I want to, you know, a lot of a lot of times, the rights of a pastor are being abused because there's some people that don't want that that think that you know you shouldn't support your pastor. There are others there are other pastors out there who abuse the people. I mean it goes both ways. The people should support the laborers. The labor that your pastors and your teachers put in as they uh sit before the Lord for you in terms of prayer, as they go before the Lord to receive a word to give to the congregation, that is a full-time job. If you've really got a teaching preacher, if you've got a teaching preacher and not one who just, um, thank thank you, Uh, if you really have a teaching preacher, you would be amazed at the amount of time that that pastor or that teacher has to spend not only studying his word, but also sitting before the Lord to get the revelation of his word for his people. You see, anybody can sit there for hours and hours and study the word and get an understanding of what the word says and what the word means. But 
to get the revelation for the people to bring that word from just a um, from from an academic point of view to a living point of view that requires revelation that requires God's spirit that requires time sitting down in front of the Lord. And when you have a man or a woman of God who's really, really serious about ministering to the people, not only does that take time, but that takes something out of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, um, when I break down a passage, oh, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of study and prayer and scratching my head and waking up in the middle of the night and then bothering, you know, my wife or my son or somebody saying, you know what I got from the Lord on this? And them looking at me like, why aren't you going back in there with him? That is a lifestyle, and it does not get you to the point, um, uh, it does not get you to the point where where, where, where you, you can just uh, run in for five minutes, run out, Work on work on this, work on that. No, you got to hang in there. And, yes, you're right. It's also, uh, yes, the ministers should get portions also. Anybody that is ministering, caring, tending for the flock, the flock of God should be able. And I know that it doesn't work that way. I know that it doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, um, uh, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm constantly amazed at how many ministers on staff in the European American churches versus and the size of their congregations versus how many ministers on staff in the African American congregations and how most of them um, are not being supported by the church, but instead have to support themselves and 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 you know never even get a love offering, and that's. That 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 that's that's a shame. That is a shame, and I'm I'm you know that's I've I've been in ministry for oh pretty close to forty years now, and can honestly say that uh, in all the in all the years that I've worked, I've never really drawn a salary at all. But but God is faithful because He said, "I am your portion." I am your portion. And let me tell you something. I have fared sumptuously. I have fared sumptuously. I got a closet full of clothes that I've never worn. I'm trying to watch what I eat because I because I got too much to eat. I got more house than I need. Uh, my wife thinks we need more closet space, but we got way more house than we need for two people. Uh, we got everything we need and then some. So when he says that my God shall supply your needs according to his riches and glory, oh, yes, he has. And he's done a good job, and I thank him for it. This is not me complaining. This is me, you know, just basically giving you the state of things according to where we are right now and to encourage you out there. To be supportive of your pastors and your ministers. Be support- if you go to these jobs and, and are able to bring in uh, funds and, and able to, uh, uh, be able to bless them, bless them. Bless them. Be cognizant of what they're doing and bless your pastors and bless those teachers 
and bless those ministers. Yeah, bless them. Bless them in a way, I mean, sometimes it's no more than, you know, uh, uh, $25 for, so they can buy them another study aid. Or, you know, maybe you see them out at dinner and you just decide, you know what, I'm paying for that meal. Be a blessing to them because they're out there working. And I know it's, I, I, and I'm not talking about the abusers. I ain't talking about. And I, I don't want to get. I don't want to go down this path. I ain't talking about your pimp preachers and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about the guys riding around in you know Bentleys and all of that kind of stuff. If they're taken care of, God love them. I'm talking about the guys that are out here on the battlefield day in and day out, who are on the front lines, who are doing feeding programs, and who are out there ministering to to the to homeless and all those guys who are out there doing the work to advance the kingdom, staying up to get ready for Sunday school classes, you know, uh, all of the things that, that come with ministering unto you, even the musicians, everything, all of them, be a blessing. Okay, now let me go to verse 15. Because, see, now he says we got a right. We got a right because we're free. We got a right because we're, we've been called. We've got a right because uh, we are ministering the word of God. We have right to, to food and, and travel expenses and all the comforts that, that should go along with them. But watch this. But, verse 15, but I've not used any of these rights. And I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. Yet, when I I can for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Now, there's a subtle thing going on here, and, it's, and I purposely pass it over three times. Three times. There was, there was two words used in chapter 9 three times. I've read it three times. I didn't want to stop and say anything about it because I want you to, as you're reading your word, that you would begin to catch these things. And what does he keep saying? He keeps saying, he said it three times, my rights. Mm -hmm. My rights. This is about the rights of an individual, an individual servant of God. And he labels what his rights are. But now watch, he says, but then he says, no, I don't, I'm not using my rights. Why? Because I'm compelled to preach the gospel. It is in me. This is my mission. This is my purpose to advance the kingdom of God. When I was baptized, I took upon me the purpose of God to spread his word, to invite people into the kingdom. 
So this is no longer something that I do because I'm paid to do it. This is something that I do because I can't do nothing else. It's in me. This is what's in me. Verse 19. Checking my time real quick. Okay. Oh, I got to move. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Remember the reading that we had in John 13? Now do you see why I read that passage? Now do you see what he's teaching? See, I did that to make my my teaching easier tonight. He says, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those who, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak. I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Now, Paul is not being duplicitous in his thinking, nor is he being duplicitous in the way that he says. He says, look, you want fried chicken? I'm serving fried chicken. You want baked chicken? I'm serving baked chicken. That's literally what he's saying. He says, I'm going to approach them in their cultural setting, in the context in which they reside. I'm coming into their world, their way, so I can show them Christ and show them the better way. That's all he's saying. He said, I'm flexible. Oftentimes, we fail to in our ministerial efforts because we want them to come to us our way. We want them to do things the way we want them done rather than seeing them where they are and going to them where they're at and speaking to them in a way that they understand it. Look at Jesus, the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. Jews didn't have no dealings with them. Yet he goes into her territory. He goes where she is. He uh, he finds the commonality of water, and he approaches her with the word. What would you do? How do you go to somebody who's been, uh, how do I want to put it, who has detoured into uh, the ghetto alley of life, who have who finds themselves in a predicament that is detestable? Maybe they're a winehead. Maybe they're a, 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 a crack addict. 
Maybe they've gotten themselves into a situation where they're in jail for for something that they really did that is detestable. How do you go to them? Do you go to them all all arrogant and puffed up and uh, I thank God that I ain't like you, but you know, to the utmost Jesus say, do you think they're listening to you? No, you got to go to them where they are. If they're in the gutter, you have to be willing to sit on the gutter with them and tell them and minister to them, not just tell them, but to show them the love of God by saying, let me help you up. How you feeling? By being willing to, 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 to get dirty. And when you're in, when you're in that environment, you, you might go in clean, but you're going to come out smelling just like them. But that is what we do. We have to be willing to become all things to all people that we might win some. Jesus, I say, he, 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 do you think that it was a pretty thing, him coming down here being bothered with us? Oh, no. Uh-uh. No. No, no. Uh-uh. Look, let me finish. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I told you at the, in our introduction that Corinth was the, the, the scene of the Isthmus Games. And these were some famous, I, I explained what these games were. They were kind of like the Olympics uh, and that, um, that these competitions came around. They drew people from all over the place. And at the end of the games, they would give them this this crown, this wreath that they would put on their head, showing that they were the winners, they were the best, and this was a highly sought-after prize. The people that competed in these games went into rigorous training. Um, they trained every day. They watched what they ate. They did a lot of the stuff that, that, we, that, that our athletes do now. But it was a very, very disciplined training. It was a training not just of the body, but it was also a training of the mind. And they did that. They beat their bodies. They, they went through all those grueling things. Remember Walter Payton running up that hill in the sun and all of that stuff, and people training so hard that they throw up all over the place, and Muhammad Ali, you know, the way he used to train. And, and then y'all all saw the Rocky films where Rocky running around there in the snow with the log on his back and all of that. That's the kind of training. And Paul is painting this picture of the training to show them that the, the, the necessity, the necessity of the spiritual discipline that we must have to serve. Because to do what he has just described him doing, it takes spiritual discipline. It takes want to. It takes 
us knowing that what we're doing is not in vain, but as they say, be not weary in well-doing, but in due season you will reap if you faint not. And so what Paul is saying in this entire ninth chapter is, look, I give up my rights because I am compelled to advance the gospel, and I will let nothing stand in the way of me advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. What he's saying to us is, what are you allowing to stop you from advancing the kingdom? Is it your rights? Is it because you got the right to be comfortable? Is it, your, is it because you have the right to be right? Is it because you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do? Let me close by this. I know I'm a little bit over tonight, but let me close by taking you to Philippians chapter 2. Turn over there for me real quick. That's going to be our close tonight. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going, to, I'm going to start at verse 3. Watch this. Remember, we started out at John uh, chapter 13. Now I'm going, to, I'm going to close tonight by reading to you from Philippians chapter 2, verses. I'm going to start at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Go back to that dinner where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, and he asked the question, do you know? what I have done. Do you know what you should do? Do you know what you should do for your brothers and your sisters that are around you? Do you know 
what you should do to advance the kingdom of God to those who are outside the kingdom? Are you willing to put down your rights and be like Jesus, a servant to all? That's where we end tonight on that question. Let's pray. And if you got questions, put them up on the screen. <clears throat> or uh, if you have Blog Talk Radio, 929-477-2304. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We come, Father, knowing that we have not done what you told us to do. God, we haven't served. We haven't served each other. We haven't put the interest of others before our own. But, Lord, instead we've demanded our rights. Now we know why there's division. There's division because of us. There's division because we've been busy being us rather than being busy being more like you. God, forgive us. Help us to serve. Help us to be more like you. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to be obedient to your commandments. God, we bless you and we praise you. We thank you for revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. So, are there any questions? Any questions by anybody? Okay. Well, next week, Chapter 10, we will continue to press our way through Corinthians. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns with the Word on Wednesday. Have a wonderful night, and don't forget to share this video with somebody. Be blessed. Good night.